Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set you know, whenever you watch a movie or a TV show, it's always comprised of the same basic elements. You have a problem and you have a solution and a struggle that happens in between the two. How are we going to resolve this problem? Well, one time Anna and I were watching a TV show, and these characters were in the show fighting against each other over whatever the problem was about. And Anna said, do you realize what would happen if these people on this show gave their lives to Jesus? (laughs) The show would be over. The whole movie would end. And she said, you know, Sylvester and Tweety would get along and they would live in peace. Rocky would probably never fight Mr. T. They would probably end up being friends and probably go to church together. Joker would ask Batman to forgive him. Darth Vader would do the same with Luke. Hey, I'm sorry, man. Let's be let's be father and son. (laughs) All these franchises would be over with if they just accepted Jesus. But even though the franchise would be over, they would be happier. We've been reading about Israel being a divided nation and the kingdoms had been fighting with each other on both sides. But what if a good king, a godly king, suddenly came along? What would happen? Well, today's message is called Dethroned and Dead. And we're in 1 Kings 15 and verse 1. Let's get with it. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Mekah, the granddaughter of Abeshalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem. Because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So David followed the Lord all his days, except for that Uriah episode where that was Bathsheba's husband, and he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, had Uriah killed, which is a bad thing. But other than that, it says David followed the Lord all his days, so that David was the standard. And so you have this like father, like son syndrome going on here, that Abijam was just as big of a mess as his dad was. But even through all that, Look at how the Lord was still continuing to uphold the covenant promise that he gave to King David. So you got a knucklehead king come along. God promised a line through all these kings, and even if you have a bad king along in the daisy chain, the Lord was still going to uphold his promise. Here's the promise in 2 Samuel 7, 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So God made that promise. He's got to keep it, even if a bad king hits the line. So when you see that God used Abijam here, for David's sake, it said, 
to keep a lamp in Jerusalem. This is how the Lord God was keeping his covenant promise. Now, this lamp that's spoken of here, it is a word of imagery. It indicates a presence, uh, a presence of safety, also for security. Lamps conquer and drive out darkness. When you want security, you want a light on. And even though King Abijam did not measure up to David's standard, he wasn't he didn't stick to the Lord closely like David did, God would still use him to hold his promise up for David, that lamp that's still there. First Kings eleven thirty six, let me show you. And to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem. David's loyalty to God would cause his reign to push back any darkness that tried to take over Israel. I remember there's this one time when David got old, he couldn't handle himself on the battlefield quite as well as he used to. Let's look at this real quick as we study the lamp. 2 Samuel 21:15, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. Then Ishbibanob who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. So David's own men recognized the importance of this lamp, this promise that needed to be in Jerusalem. They did not want to lose that security. They didn't want to lose that blessing of God, that presence. And so when they saw that David wasn't handling himself on battle very well anymore, they were adamant that he was no longer to go out and fight with them because they did not want to lose that lamp. The reason I went so in-depth into this lamp is I want you to understand what this lamp is about because it was God keeping his presence. He was keeping his covenant with the Davidic covenant all the way through all the kings that would reign, even through King Abijam. And one day, that promise will come to its full fulfillment when King Jesus takes the throne in Jerusalem. So God's keeping his promise. But here in chapter 15, King Abijam, he's on the throne. And even though he was a wicked king, it says, he would at least be used by God as a placeholder from David's line, because he was from David's lineage, and that would be for God's promise to hold on to the throne to keep that lineage, that lamp there. This is God's promise. And so Abijam had a period of time for a few years where that lamp was still there. And this is why verse 4 says that even though Abijam was not loyal, it says, nevertheless, okay, he was a messed up guy, but nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord gave him a lamp in Jerusalem. God kept his promise even through a bad king. 1 Kings 15 and 6. And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. Now the rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. So Abijam rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In the twentieth year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king over Judah. So Abijam, he became king of Judah at Jeroboam's eighteenth year, and it says here that Asa became king in the twentieth year. You do the math, 
This means that Abijam reigned for only two years. He only reigned for two little short blip of a, blip years on the radar. Then he was gone. It's like, poof, he's out. Why? You got to ask why just two years. That's Man, if you're king, you don't want to rule just for two years. You want a little more time than that. Why? Verse 3 says he walked in the sins of his father. That's why. Typically, in the Bible, a short-lived king was the result of disobedience. So you can tell that the Lord had patience with Rehoboam. God dealt with him patiently for two years, waiting on Abijam to get right. But apparently he refused to get right with the Lord, and so God dethroned him to replace him with a good king. And typically, whenever a king was dethroned, that king was killed. If you look back earlier in Israel's history, David did not take the throne from King Saul. He did not kill King Saul. David waited until King Saul died first. When David's son, Absalom, tried to take the throne by force from David, In 2 Samuel 15, the reason David fled from Jerusalem is because he knew that his death was required first before Absalom could be declared king. You can't declare a new king while the old king still lives. And so when Solomon became king, Adonijah tried to steal the throne from him. So Solomon had Adonijah killed. Any competition with the throne that's going to die trying to get the throne, you kill him off. What we see here is that two kings cannot rule on the throne at the same time of one nation. There can only be one king at a time. And so a king must die before the new king can take over. Abijam is now dethroned and dead. But now it's Asa's turn to reign. 1 Kings 15.10 And he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name was Mekah, the granddaughter of Abishalom. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father David, and he banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. Also, he removed Mekah, his grandmother, from being queen mother, because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene image and burned it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. He also brought into the house of the Lord the things which his father had dedicated and the things which he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and utensils. I'm thinking here, man, it is finally about time. (laughs) It's about time we finally got a good king. Abijam was not loyal. He just didn't want to get in shape. Two years out of here. But Asa was loyal. He got right with the Lord. And y'all, This is a real man here that we're looking at. He dealt with sin harshly. He dealt with it. He banned people who would not repent, who would not get right. He banned the perverted persons that were mocking the Lord God. He even stripped grandma of her title and tore down her crazy idols. I think that Abijam's short little two-year rule served to motivate Asa to get busy doing what God expected. Think about it. How many times have you punished kids with other kids watching? And as soon as that one kid gets a spanking, all the rest of them go, well, not me. I better, I'm going to start acting right. (laughs) That motivates them. I think Asia was motivated by the short rule of Abijam before him. I want us to look at 2 Chronicles 14. It gives a little information about Asia's rule. 
So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa his son reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God, for he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him, and he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Now notice it says that the Lord gave him rest. Gave him rest. The land finally had peace because the Lord God gave it. You cannot take peace for yourself. You can't go out and say, I'm going to make things my way, and then I'm going to seize what I want, and then I'm going to have what I need. No, you can't take it. You cannot take peace for yourself. God has to give you peace. For you to have real peace, it has to be given. Now, we've read that King Jeroboam, King Rehoboam, King Abijam, all these kings, it says they all had war with each other all the days of their lives. They fought hard to get their way, my way. And guess what? All it produced was more war. That's all it did. The more they tried, the worse things got. But for Asa, it says, it says the Lord gave him peace. I want you to catch the difference. All these mighty kings, they're very powerful, strong guys, and they tried to get what they wanted and they never could get it. They never could get things situated in a way that worked for them properly. The Lord had to give peace for them to be, for anybody to be able to experience it. Now that's a critical point that I want us to observe here is that the Lord gave peace. He gave that rest. Therefore, we can also understand that the Lord gives no peace at all until the old sinful king Abijam was dethroned and dead. There can be no peace unless the original sinful wicked king is dethroned and dead. Now, another important thing we need to look at before we move on is verse 6 says that the Lord gave him rest in those years. In those years. <laughs> that means it's not going to stay. The peace that he had was temporary. Why was it only temporary? I'll show you. Let's read on. First Kings fifteen sixteen. Now there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. And Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took all the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house and delivered them into the hand of his servants. And King Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Trabimon, the son of Hazion, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you a present of silver and gold. Come and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. He attacked Ejon, Dan, Abel, Bethmecah, and Kinneroth, with all the land of Naphtali. Now it happened when Basha heard it that he stopped building Ramah and remained in Tirzah. 
So King Basha of Israel, he came and built Ramah right on the border with Judah to try to control the traffic that was going between Israel and Judah. Now, I want you to remember why he did. Let's remember in the past as to why he did this. I want you to remember there was a lot of Jews that were going to Israel. They were traveling to Judah to go worship the Lord at the temple. And if you remember, Jeroboam tried to stop them from going back to Judah because he didn't want to lose his people. He wanted to keep them in his part of the kingdom, in the northern tribes. And so Basha's traffic control was just another attempt at trying to do the same thing to try to keep people on his side and not keep people from... He didn't want people to go to worship the Lord. This was blocking, praising the Lord God at the temple the way the Lord God wanted it. So Asa wanted to get Basha to back off. So he used the whole treasury. He he emptied it out. He paid everything he had to get Ben-Hadad of Syria to break his treaty with Basha to get him on Judah's side. Hey, come join me on my side and get this guy to back off. So that caused Ben-Hadad to invade Israel. And now Basha had to back up to the north, getting away from Judah's border. So that kind of distracted him and got him, got him away from Asa's territory. Now, this sounds like a wise plan, doesn't it? Sounds like a good move, right? Well, hold on. Maybe not. Let's read on. First Kings fifteen twenty-two. Then King Asa made a proclamation throughout all Judah. None was exempted. And they took away the stones and timber of Ramah, which Basha had used for building. And with them, King Asa built Geba of Benjamin and Mizpah. The rest of the acts of Asa, all his might, all that he did, and the cities which he built, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? But in the time of his old age, he was diseased in his feet. So Asa rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David his father. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place. Okay, so Asa confiscated all the building material that it took to build Rama. So he used that material to strengthen his own defense cities, which is pretty good, I guess. But was this a good move or not? This trick that he did to get that other king of Syria to break his treaty to get Basha to back off, was that good? Was that wisdom? Was it godly? Or was it not? We read that Asa was doing right before the Lord. He banned the perverted people from the land. He took grandma's title away from her and took down that obscene image that she had going on. And he removed his father's idols. But I want you to remember, verse 4 said, but the high places were not removed. He was doing good, no doubt. But he was not doing all the good that he, sh- that he could have done, all that he should have done. He started off well, but he kind of didn't finish all the way. So now back to Aza's plan to use the king of Syria to get Basha to back off here. Was that a good plan? So Because we saw he was doing all this stuff. But what about now? Asa did not have a very big army compared to the size of all the northern tribes that were coming up to uh, his border. So it seems like it was a smart move for Asa to use the king of Syria to try to help out until you read about a prophet that God sent to speak to Asa in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 7. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, 
He delivered them into your hand, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Okay, what happened here is that Asa called on the king of Syria to come help instead of asking God to come help. And so the Lord sent a guy to rebuke him for that. And so since Asa handled the border confrontation with Basha in such a foolish way, then God said, you know, you didn't call on me to help. You called on somebody else. He said, well, now you're going to have wars from now on. So remember when it said that Asa was doing right and he had peace during those years, that means that was just a little certain amount of time. It only lasted so long because Asa messed up and he stopped relying on the Lord. He was doing good at first, but then he didn't call upon the Lord God when he needed help. Now, if you read the rest of Second Chronicles 16, it says that King Asa did not like that prophet's rebuke one bit. He was mad about it, and so he put that prophet in prison for that. And he also started oppressing some of his own people over it, so he really fell off the bandwagon pretty bad. He started well, but he ended up getting pretty crazy. But to think that God gave Asa peace, but because he handled himself foolishly, it just threw Asa back into war all over again. Christian, I want you to hear this. God gives peace. You can't have it unless he gives it. But when you stop relying on him and stop calling upon him, it can throw you into a mess all over again. You don't want that. 1 Kings 15.25. Now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. So Nadab, he's the second ruler in Jeroboam's dynasty, but he kept up the sin of Jeroboam. He just kept doing it. And so now look how short his reign was, just two years. You can get a Bible degree in that much time for you guys listening. Two years, you can get a Bible degree. (laughs) Two years, short time. Now, you might be thinking, now, I I thought the Lord said before, previously, that he was going to wipe out Jeroboam's line. Well, if you're thinking that, then good, that means you've been paying attention and you caught that in the story. So why does Jeroboam have another guy on the throne? 1 Kings 15, 27. Then Basha, the son of Ahijah of the house of Issachar, conspired against him. And Basha killed him at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines, while Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibbethon. Basha killed him in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. And it was so, when he became king, that he killed all the house of Jeroboam. He did not leave to Jeroboam anyone that breathed until he had destroyed him, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite, because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he had sinned, and by which he had made Israel sin, because of his provocation, with which he had provoked the Lord God of Israel, to anger. Now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. Okay, it says Basha took out Nadab simply to establish his own rule. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set